0: Hey friends, this is Garima Kuswa, first-year professional medical student at GMC Bethea and in this podcast, I would be talking about ear, the external ear, the middle ear, and the internal ear. Now the ear is the organ of hearing and balance. It has three parts. The first part is the external ear consisting of the part attached to the lateral aspect of the head and the canal leading inward. The second part is the middle ear, a cavity in the petrous part of the temporal bone bounded laterally and separated from the external canal by a membrane and connected internally to the pharynx by a narrow tube. The third is the internal ear consisting of a series of cavities within the petrous part of the temporal bone between the middle ear laterally and the internal acoustic medially. The internal ear converts the mechanical signals received from the middle ear, which starts at sound captured by the external ear, into electrical signal to transfer information to the brain. The internal ear also contains receptor that detects motion and position. External ear, middle ear, and internal ear. External ear, auricle, external acoustic meatus, cartilage, tympanic membrane. Internal acoustic meatus, pharynx, pharyngotympanic tube. External Ear The external ear consists of two parts. The part projecting from the side of the head is the auricle or pinna, and the canal leading inwards is the external acoustic meatus. Oracle The auricle is on the side of the head and assists in capturing sound. It consists of cartilage converted with skin and arranged in a pattern of various elevations and depressions. The large outside rim of the auricle is the helix. It ends inferiorly at the fleshy lobule, the only part of the auricle not supported by the cartilage. The hollow center of auricle is the concha of the auricle. The external acoustic meatus leaves from the depth of this area. Just anterior to the opening of the external acoustic meatus, in front of the concha is an elevation the tragus opposite the tragus and above the fleshy lobule is another elevation the antitragus a small curved rim parallel and anterior to the helix is the anti Muscles Numerous intrinsic and extrinsic muscles are associated with the auricle. The intrinsic muscles pass between the cartilaginous parts of the auricle and may change the shape of the auricle. The extrinsic muscles, the anterior, superior, and posterior auricular muscles, pass from the scalp or skull to the auricle and may also play a role in positioning of the auricle. Both groups of muscles are innervated by the facial nerve 7 innervation sensory innervation of the auricle is from many sources the outer more superficial surfaces of the auricle are supplied by the great auricular nerve anterior and posterior inferior portions and the lesser occipital nerve posterior superior portion from the cervical plexus and the auriculotemporal branch of the mandibular nerve anterior superior portion The deeper parts of the auricle are supplied by the vagus nerve, the auricular branch and the facial nerve which sends a branch to the auricular branch of the vagus nerve. Vessels The arterial supply to the auricle is from numerous sources. The external carotid artery supplies the posterior auricular artery, the superficial temporal artery supplies anterior auricular branches, and the occipital artery supplies a branch. Venous drainage is through vessels following the arteries. Lymphatic drainage of the auricle passes anteriorly into parotid nodes and posteriorly into mastoid node and possibly into the upper deep cervical nodes. External Acoustic meatus. The external acoustic meatus extends from the deepest part of the concha to the tympanic membrane, eardrum, a distance of approximately 1 inch (2.5 its wall consists of cartilage and bone. The lateral one-third is formed from the cartilaginous extensions from some of the auricular cartilage and the medial two-third is a bony tunnel in the temporal bone. Throughout its length, the external acoustic meatus is covered with skin, some of which contains hairs and modified sweat glands, producing cerumen. Earwax, its diameter varies. Being wider laterally and narrow medially, the ex- external acoustic meatus does not follow a straight course. From the external opening, it passes upwards in an anterior direction, then turns slightly posteriorly, still passing up- upwards, and finally turns again in an anterior direction with a slight descent. For example, purposes, of observation of the external acoustic meatus and tympanic membrane can be improved by pulling the ear. Superiorly, posteriorly, and slightly laterally. <coughs> innervation. <coughs> sensory innervation of the external acoustic meatus is from several of the cranial nerves. The major sensory input travels through the branches of the auricular temporal nerve, a branch of the mandibular nerve, anterior and superior walls, and in the auricular branch of the vagus nerve, posterior and inferior wall. A minor sensory input may also come from a branch of the facial nerve to the auricular branch of the vagus nerve. Tympanic membrane The tympanic membrane separates the external acoustic meatus from the middle ear. It is at an angle sloping medially from top to bottom and posteriorly to anteriorly. Its lateral surface therefore faces inferiorly and anteriorly. It consists of a connective tissue core lined with skin on the outside and mucous membrane on the inside. Around the periphery of the tympanic membrane, a fibrocartilaginous ring attaches it to the tympanic part of the temporal bone. At its center, a concavity is produced by the attachments on its internal surface of the lower and of the handle of the malleus. Part of the malleus bone in the middle ear, this point of attachment is the umbo of the tympanic membrane antero inferior to the umbo of tympanic membrane a bright reflection of light referred to as a cone of light is usually visible when examining the tympanic membrane with a otoscope superior to the umbo is an anterior direction is the attachment of the rest of the handle of the malleus at the most superior extent of this line of attachment a small bulge in the membrane marks the position of the lateral process of the malleus as it projects against the internal surface of the tympanic membrane. Extending away from the elevation on the internal surface of the membrane are the anterior and posterior malleolar folds. Superior to these folds, the tympanic membrane is thin and slack, the pars flaccida, whereas the rest of the membrane is thick and taut, the pars tensa. Innervation Innervation of the external and internal surfaces of the tympanic membrane is by several cranial nerves. Sensory innervation of the skin on the outer surface of the tympanic membrane is primarily by the auricular temporal nerve, a branch of the mandibular nerve with additional participation of the auricular branch of the vagus nerve, a small contribution by a branch of the facial nerve to the auricular branch of the vagus nerve, and possibly a contribution from the glossopharyngeal nerve. Sensory innervation of the mucous membrane on the inner surface of the tympanic membrane is carried entirely by the glossopharyngeal nerve. In the clinic, examination of the ear. The ear comprises three components, the external, medial, and internal ear. Clinical examination is carried out to assess hearing and balance. Further examination involves use of an otoscope or other imaging techniques. External ear. The external ear is easily examined. The external acoustic meatus and the tympanic membrane requires otoscope examination. An otoscope is a device through which light can be shone and the image magnified to inspect An otoscope is a device through which light can be shone and the image magnified to inspect the external acoustic meatus and the tympanic membrane. The examination begins by grasping the posterior superior aspects of the ear and gently retracting it to strengthen the external auditory meatus. The normal tympanic membrane is relatively translucent and has a gray, reddish tinge. The handle of the malleus is visible near the center of the membrane. In the 5 o'clock position, a cone of light is always demonstrated. Middle and Inner Ears The middle ear is investigated by CT and MRI to visualize the malleus, incus, and stapes. The relationship of these bones to the middle ear cavity is determined and any mass is identified. The inner ear is also assessed by CT and MRI. In the clinic, Swimmer's Ear Swimmer's ear often called otis External is a painful condition resulting from an infection in the external acoustic meatus. It frequently occurs in swimmers. In the clinics, surfer's ear. Surfer's ear which is prevalent among the individual who surf or swim in cold water results from development of a bony lump in the external acoustic meatus. Growth of the lump eventually constricts the meatus and reduces hearing in the affected ear. In the clinic, tympanic membrane perforation. Although perforation of the tympanic membrane, eardom has many causes, trauma and infection are still the commonest cause today. Most ruptures of the tympanic membrane tend to heal spontaneously, but surgical intervention may be necessary if the rupture is large. From time to time, it is necessary to enter the middle ear through the tympanic membrane. As the quadratympani runs in the upper one-third of the tympanic membrane, incisions are always below this level. The richer blood supply to the posterior aspect of the tympanic membrane determines the standard surgical approach in the posterior inferior aspect. Otitis media infection of the middle ear is common and can lead to infection perforation of the tympanic membrane. The infection can usually be treated with antibodies. If the infection persists, the chronic inflammatory changes may damage the ossicular chain and other structures within the middle ear to produce deafness middle ear the middle ear is an air filled mucous membrane lined space in the temporal bone between the tympanic membrane laterally and the lateral wall of the internal ear medially it is described as consisting of two parts the tympanic cavity immediately adjacent to the tympanic membrane and the epitympanic recess superiorly the middle ear communicates with the mastoid area posteriorly and the nasopharynx via the pharyngotympanic tube anteriorly. Its basic function is to transmit vibration of the tympanic membrane across the cavity of the middle ear to the internal ear. It accomplishes this through 3 interconnected but movable bones that bridge the space between the tympanic membrane and the internal ear. These bones are the malleus connected to the tympanic membrane, the incus connected to the malleus by a synovial joint, and the step is connected to the incus by a synovial joint, which is a ball and socket joint, and attached to the lateral wall of the internal ear at the oval window. Boundaries The middle ear has a roof and a floor and anterior, posterior, middle and lateral walls. Tegmental wall The tegmental wall roof of the middle ear consists of thin layer of bone which separates the middle ear from the middle cranial fossa. This layer of bone is the tegment tympani or the anterior surface of the petrous part of the temporal bone. Juggler wall The jugular wall floor of the middle ear consists of a thin layer of bone that separates it from the internal jugular vein. Occasionally, the floor is thickened by the presence of mastoid air cells. Near the middle border of the floor is a small aperture through which the tympanic branch from the glossopharyngeal nerve enters the middle ear. Membranous wall The membranous lateral wall of the middle ear consists almost entirely of the tympanic membrane, but because the tympanic membrane does not extend superiorly into the Epitympanic recess The upper part of the membranous wall of the middle ear is the bony lateral wall of the epitympanic recess. Mastoid wall The mastoid or posterior wall of the middle ear is only partially complete. The lower part of this wall consists of a bony partition between the tympanic cavity and mastoid air cells. Superiorly, the epitympanic recess is continuous with the areas to the mastoid antrum. The pyramidal eminence, a small elevation through which the tendon of the stapedius muscle enters the middle ear and the opening through which the quadratympanic nerve, a branch of the facial nerve, enters the middle ear. Anterior wall The anterior wall of the middle ear is only partially complete. The lower part consists of a thin layer of bone that separates the tympanic cavity from the internal carotid artery. Superiorly, the wall is deficient because of the presence of a large opening for the entrance of the pharyngeotympanic tube into the middle ear and a smaller opening for the canal containing the tensor tympani muscle. The foramen for the exit of the quarta tympani nerve from the middle ear is also associated with this wall. labyrinthine wall The labyrinthine medial wall of the middle ear is also the lateral wall of the internal ear. A prominent structure on this wall is a rounded wall, the promontory produced by the basal coil of the Cochlea, which is an internal ear structure involved with hearing. Associated with the mucous membrane covering the promontory is a plexus of nerves, the tympanic plexus, which consists primarily of contributions from the tympanic branch of the glossopharyngeal nerve and a branch from the internal carotid plexus. It supplies mucous membrane of the middle ear, the mastoid area and the pharyngeotympanic tube. Additionally, a branch of the tympanic plexus, the lesser petrosal nerve, leaves the promontory and the middle ear travels across the anterior surface of the petrous part of the temporal bone and leaves the middle cranial fossa through the foramen ovale to enter the otic ganglion. Other structures associated with the labyrinthine wall are two openings, the oval and round window, and two prominent elevations. The oval window is Postero superior to the promontory is the point of attachment for the base of the step footplate and ends the chain of bones that transfer vibrations initiated by the tympanic membrane to the cochlea of the internal ear. The round window is a postero inferior to the promontory. Posterior and superior to the oval window on medial wall is the prominence of the facial canal which is a raise of bone produced by the facial nerve in its canal as it passes through the temporal bone. Just above and posterior to the prominence of the facial canal is a broader ridge of bone. Prominence of the lateral semicircular canal produced by the lateral semicircular canal, which is a structure involved in detecting motion. Mastoid area posterior to the epitympanic process of middle ear is the added as to the mastoid antrum, which is the opening to the mastoid antrum. The mastoid antrum is a cavity continuous with the collections of air-filled spaces. The mastoid cells throw out the mastoid part of the temporal bone. Including the mastoid process, the mastoid antrum is separated from the middle cranial fossa, above by only the thin tegment tympani. The mucous membrane lining the mastoid ear cells is continuous with the mucous membrane throughout the middle ear. Therefore, infection in the middle ear can easily spread into the mastoid area. In the clinic, Mastoiditis Infection within the mastoid and mastoid cells is usually secondary to infection in the middle ear. The mastoid cells pro- provide an excellent culture medium for infection, infection of the bone, Osteomyelitis may also develop, spreading into the middle cranial fossa. Drainage of the pus within the mastoid ear cells is necessary and th- there are numerous approaches for doing this. When undertaking this type of surgery, it is extremely important that the care is taken not to damage the mastoid wall of the middle ear to prevent injury to the facial nerve. Any bra- breach of the inner table of the cranial wall to may allow bacteria to enter the cranial cavity and mening- meningitis will ensue pharyngotympanic tube the pharyngotympanic tube connects the middle ear with the nasopharynx and equalizes pressure on both sides of the tympanic membrane its opening in the middle ear is on the anterior wall and from here it extends forwards medially and downwards to enter the nasopharynx just posterior to the inferior meatus of nasal cavity. It consists of a bony part the one-third nearest the middle ear and a cartilaginous part the remaining two-thirds. The opening of the bony part is clearly visible on the inferior surface of the skull at the junction of the squamous and petrous part of the temporal bone immediately posterior to the foramen ovale and foramen spinosum. Vessels The arterial supply to the pharyngeal tube is from several sources. Branches arise from the ascending pharyngeal artery, a branch of the external carotid artery, and from two branches of the maxillary artery, the middle meningeal artery, and the artery of the pterygoid canal. Venous drainage of the pharyngeal tube is to the pterygoid plexus of veins in the infratemporal fossa. Innervation of the mucous membrane lining the pharyngeal tympanic tube is primarily from the tympanic plexus because it continues us with the mucous membrane lining the tympanic cavity, the internal surface of the tympanic membrane, and the mastoid antrum and mastoid cells. This plexus receives its major contributions from the tympanic nerve, a branch of the glossopharyngeal nerve auditory ossicles the bones of the middle ear consist of the malleus incus and stapes they form an osseous chain across the middle ear from the tympanic membrane to the oval window of the internal ear muscles associated with the auditory ossicles modulate movement during the transmission of vibrations malleus the malleus is the largest of the auditory ossicles and is attached to the tympanic membrane Identifiable parts include the head of the malleus, neck of the malleus, anterior and lateral processes, and handle of the malleus. The head of the malleus is the rounded upper part of the malleus. In the epitympanic frisis, its posterior surface articulates with the incus. Inferior to the head of the malleus is the constricted neck of the malleus, and below this are the anterior and lateral processes. The anterior process is attached to the anterior wall of the middle ear by a ligament. The lateral process is attached to the anterior and posterior malleolar fold of the tympanic membrane. The downward, downward extension of the malleus below the anterior and lateral processes is the handle of the malleus which is attached to the tympanic membrane. Incus The second bone in the series of auditory cycles is the incus. It consists of the body of the incus and long short limbs. The enlarged body of the incus articulates with the head of the malleus and is in the epitympanic recess. The long limb extends downward from the body, paralleling the handle of the malleus and ends by bending medially to articulate with the stapes. The short limb extends posteriorly and is attached by a ligament to the upper posterior wall of the middle ear. The stapes is the most medial bone in the osseous chain and is attached to the oval window. It consists of the head of the stapes, anterior and posterior limbs, and the base of the stapes. The head of the stapes is directed laterally and articulates with the long process of the incus. The two limbs separate from each other and attach to the oval base. The base of the stapes fits into the oval window on the labyrinthine wall of the middle ear. Muscles associated with the ossicles Two muscles are associated with the bony ossicles of the middle ear. The tensor tympani and stapedius. Tensor tympani. The tensor tympani muscle lies in a bony canal above the pharyngotympanic tube. It originates from the cartilaginous parts of the pharyngotympanic tube, the greater wing of the sphenoid, and its own bony canal, and passes through its canal in a posterior direction, ending in rounded tendon that inserts into the upper part of the handle of the malleus. Innervation of the tensor tympani is by a branch from the mandibular nerve. Constructed contraction of the tensor tympani pulls the handle of the malleus medially. This tenses the tympanic membrane, reducing the force of vibration in response to loud noises. Stipidus. The stapedius muscle is a very small muscle that originates from inside the pyramidal eminence, which is a small projection on the mastoid wall of the middle ear. Its tendon emerges from the apex of the pyramidal eminence and passes forward to attach to the posterior surface of the neck of the stapes. The stapedius is innervated by a branch from the facial nerve. Contraction of the stapedius muscle, usually in response to loud noises, boosts the steps posteriorly and prevents excessive oscillation. Vessels Numerous arteries supply the structures in the middle ear. The two largest branches are the tympanic branch of the maxillary artery and the mastoid branch of the occipital or posterior auricular arteries. Small branches come from the middle meningeal artery, the ascending pharyngeal artery and the artery of the pterygoid canal and the tympanic branches from the internal carotid artery. Venous drainage of the middle ear returns to the pterygoid plexus of veins and the superior petrosal sinus. Innervation The tympanic plexus innervates the mucous membrane lining the walls and contents of the middle ear, which includes the mastoid area and the pharyngeal tympanic tube. It is formed by tympanic nerve, a branch of the glossopharyngeal nerve and from the branches of the internal carotid plexus. The tympanic plexus occurs in the mucous membrane covering the promontory which is the rounded bulge on the labyrinthine wall of the middle ear. As the glossopharyngeal nerve exits the skull through the jugular foramen, it gives off the tympanic nerve. This branch re-enters the skull through a small foramen and passes through the bone to the middle ear. Once in the middle ear, the tympanic nerve forms the tympanic plexus along with the branches from the plexus of nerves surrounding the internal carotid artery. Carotico-tympanic nerves branches from the tympanic plexus supplying the mucous membranes of the middle ear including the pharyngeotympanic tube and the mastoid area. The tympanic plexus also gives off a major branch the lesser petrosal nerve which supplies preganglionic parasympathetic fiber to the otic ganglion. The lesser petrosal nerve leaves the area of the promontory, exits the middle ear, travels through the petrous part of the temporal bone, and exits to the anterior surface of the petrous part of the temporal bone through the hiatus just below the hiatus for the greater petrosal nerve. It continues diagonally across the anterior surface of the temporal bone before exiting the middle cranial fossa through the foramen oval. Once outside the skull, it enters the otic ganglion. Muscles of the Middle ear. Muscles are tensor tympani and stapedius. Tensor tympani originates from the cartilaginous part of the tympanic tube, greater wing of the spinoids, its own bony canal, injursion into upper part of the handle of the malleus. Innervation is from branch from mandibular nerve. Function contracts pull handle of the malleus medially, tensing tympanic membrane. Stapedius origin from the attached to inside of the pyramidal eminence, injurson in neck of the stapes branch of the facial nerve is the innervation and function is to contraction pulls step is posteriorly preventing excessive oscillation. Thank you the internal ear consists of series of bony cavities the bony labyrinth and membranous ducts and sacs the membranous labyrinth within these cavities. All these structures are in the petrous part of the temporal bone between the middle ear laterally and the internal acoustic meatus medially. The bony labyrinth consists of vestibule, three semicircular canals, and the cochlea. These bony cavities are lined within periosteum and contains a clear fluid, the perilymph. Suspended within the perilymph but not filling all spaces of the bony labyrinth is the membranous labyrinth which consists of the semicircular ducts, the cochlear duct, and two sacs, the utricle and the saccule. These membranous spaces are filled with the endolymph. The structures in the internal ear convey information to the brain about balance and hearing. The cochlear duct is the organ of hearing. The semicircular ducts, utricle, and saccule are the organ of balance. The nerve responsible for these functions is the vestibulocochlear nerve. 8th cranial nerve, which divides into vestibular balance and cochlear hearing parts after entering the internal acoustic meatus. Bony labyrinth, the vestibule which contains the oval window in its lateral wall, is the central part of the bony labyrinth. It communicates anteriorly with the cochlea and posteriorly with the semicircular canals. A narrow canal, the vestibular aqueduct, leaves the vestibule and passes through the temporal bone to open onto the posterior surface or the petrous part of the temporal bone. Semicircular Canals Projecting in a posterior superior direction from the vestibule are the anterior, posterior, and lateral semicircular canals. Each of these canals forms two-thirds of the circle connected at both ends to the vestibule and with the one end directed to form the ampulla. The canals are oriented so that each canal is at right angles to the others too. Cochlea Projecting in an anterior direction from vestibule is the cochlea, which is a bony structure that twists on itself two or one-half Three quarter times around a co- central column of bone, the modiolus. This arrangement produces a cone-shaped structure with a base of cochlea that faces posteromedially and an apex that faces anterolaterally. This position the wide waist of the modiolus near the internal acoustic meatus, where it is interred by the branches of the cochlear part of the vestibulocochlear nerve extending laterally throughout the length of the modiolus is a thin lamina of bone the lamina of the modiolus or a spiral lamina spiral lamina circling around the modiolus and in a central position by uh, attachment to the lamina of the modiolus is the cochlear duct which is a component of the membranous labyrinth attached peripherally to the outer wall of the cochlea the cochlear duct creates two canals the scala vestibuli and the scala tympani Which extend throughout the cochlea and are continuous with each other as apex through a narrow slit, the helicotremor. The scala vestibuli is continuous with the vestibule. The scala tympani is separated from the middle ear by the secondary tympanic membrane covering the round window. Finally, near the round window is a small channel, the cochlear canaliculus, which passes through the tympanic temporal bone and opens on its inferior surface into the posterior cranial fossa. This provides a connection between the perilymph containing cochlea and the subarachnoid space. Membranous labyrinth The membranous labyrinth is a continuous system of ducts and sacs. Within the bony labyrinth, it is filled with endolymph and separated from the periosteum that covers the wall of the bony labyrinth by perilymph. Consisting of two sacs, the utricle and the saccule, and four ducts, the three semicircular ducts, and the cochlear duct. The membranous labyrinth has unique functions related to balance and hearing. The utricle, saccule, and three semicircular ducts are part of the vestibular apparatus, organs of balance. The cochlear duct is the organ of hearing. The general organization of the parts of the membranous labyrinth places the cochlear duct within the cochlea of the bony labyrinth anteriorly, the three semicircular ducts within the three semicircular canals of the bony labyrinth posteriorly, the saccule and utricle within the vestibule of the bony labyrinth in the middle. Organ of Balance Five of the six components of the membranous labyrinth are concerned with balance. These are the two sacs, the utricle and the sacule, and the three ducts, the anterior, posterior, and lateral semicircular ducts, utricle, sacule, and the endolymphatic ducts. The utricle is the larger part of the two sacs. It is oval, elongated, and irregular in shape, and is in the posterior part of the vestibule of the bony labyrinth. The three semicircular ducts empty into the utricle. Each semicircular duct is similar in shape, including a dilated in forming the ampulla, to its complementary bone, knee semicircular canal, only much smaller. The sacule is a smaller rounded sac, like in the antero inferior part of the vestibule of the bony labyrinth. The cochlear duct empties into it. The sacular ducts establish continuity between all components of the membranous labyrinth and connect the utricle and sacule branching from this small duct is the endolymphatic duct which enters the vestibular aqueduct a channel through the temporal bone to the emerge onto the posterior surface of the petrous part of the temporal bone in the posterior cranial fossa here the endolymphatic duct expands into the endolymphatic sac which is an extradural pouch that functions in reabsorption of endolymph Sensory receptors. Functionally, sensory receptors for balance are organized into unique structures that are located in each of the components of the vestibular apparatus. In the utricle and the saccule, the sense organ is the macula of the utricle and the macula of the saccule, respectively. And in the ampulla of each of the three semicircular ducts, it is the crista. The utricle responds to the centrifugal centrifugal and vertical acceleration. Utricle, vertical acceleration and centrifugal motions, while the saccule responds to the linear acceleration. Saccule for the linear acceleration and utricle for the vertical acceleration. In contrast, the receptors in the three semicircular ducts respond to movement in any direction. Organ of hearing, cochlear duct. The cochlear duct has a central portion in the cochlea of the bony labyrinth, dividing it into two canals, the scala vestibuli and the scala tympani. It is maintained in its position by being attached centrally to the lamina of the modiolus, which is a thin lamina of the bony bone extending from the modiolus the central bony core of the cochlea and peripherally to the outer wall of the cochlea. Thus, the triangular-shaped cochlear duct has an outer wall against the bony cochlear consisting of thickened epithelial line periosteum, the spiral ligament, a roof, the vestibular membrane which separates the endolymph in the cochlear duct from the perilymph in the scala vestibuli, and consists of membrane with a connective tissue core lined on either side with epithelium. and a floor which separates the endolymph in the cochlear duct from the perilymph in the scala tympani and consists of free edge of the lamina of the modiolus and a membrane the vascular membrane extending from this free edge of the lamina of the modiolus to an extension of the spiral ligament covering the outer wall of the cochlea. The spiral organ is the organ of hearing, rests on the basilar membrane and projects into the enclosed endolymphid cochlear duct. Vessels – The arterial supply to the internal ear is divided between vessels supplying the bony labyrinth and the membranous labyrinth. The bony labyrinth is supplied by the same arteries that supply the surrounding temporal bone. These include the anterior tympanic branch from the maxillary artery, a stylomastoid branch from the posterior auricular artery, and a petrous branch from the middle meningeal artery. The membranous labyrinth is supplied by the labyrinthine artery, which in either arises from the antero-inferior cerebellar artery or is a direct branch of the basilar artery. Whatever its origin, it enters the internal acoustic meatus with the facial and vestibulocochlear nerves and eventually divides into a cochlear branch which passes through the moriolus and supplies the cochlear duct and one or two vestibular branches which supply the vestibular apparatus. Venous drainage of the membranous labyrinth is throughout vestibular veins and cochlear veins, which follow the arteries. These come together to form a labyrinthine vein, which eventually empties into either the inferior petrous sinus or the sigmoid sinus. Innervation The vestibular cochlear nerve carries special afferent fibers for hearing the cochlear component and balance the vestibular component. It enters the lateral surface of the brain stem between the pons and medulla after existing the temporal bone through the internal acoustic meatus and crossing the posterior cranial fossa. Inside the temporal bone, at the distal end of the internal acoustic meatus, the vestibulocochlear nerve divides to form the cochlear nerve and the vestibular nerve. The vestibular nerve enlarges to form the vestibular ganglion before dividing into superior and inferior parts, which distribute to the three semicircular ducts and the utricle and the saccule. The cochlear nerves enter the base of the cochlea and passes upward through the modiolus. The ganglion cells of the cochlear nerve are in the spiral ganglion at the base of the lamina of the modiolus and it winds around the modiolus. Branches of the cochlear nerve pass through the lamina of the modiolus to innervate the receptors in the spiral organ. Facial nerve in the temporal bone. Facial nerve in the temporal bone The facial nerve is closely associated with the vestibulocochlear nerve as it enters the internal acoustic meatus of the temporal bone. Traveling through the temporal bone, its path and several of its branches are directly related to the internal and middle ears. The facial nerve enters the internal acoustic meatus in the petrous part of the temporal bone. The vestibulocochlear nerve and the labyrinthine artery accompanying it. At the distal end of the internal acoustic meatus, the facial nerve enters the facial canal and continues laterally between the internal and middle ears. At this point, the facial nerve enlarges and bends posteriorly and laterally. The enlargement is the sensory geniculate ganglion. As the facial canal continues, the facial nerve turns sharply downwards and running in an almost vertical direction. It exits the skull through the stylomastoid foramen branches. The greater petrosal nerve at the geniculate ganglion, the facial nerve dips off the greater petrosal nerve. This is the first branch of the facial nerve. The greater petrosal nerve leaves the geniculate ganglion, travels medially through the temporal bone and emerges through the hiatus for the greater petrosal nerve on the anterior surface of the petrous part of the temporal bone. The greater petrosal nerve carries Pre-ganglionic parasympathetic fiber to the pterygopalatine ganglion, continuing beyond the bend, the position of the facial nerve is indicated on the medial wall on, of the middle ear by a bulge, nerve to the and the quadratympani. Near the beginning of its vertical descent, the facial nerve gives off a small branch, the nerve to the stapedius, which innervates the stapedius muscle and just before it exits the skull, the facial nerve gives off the quadratympani nerve. The quarter tympani does not immediately exit the temporal bone but descends to enter the middle ear through its posterior vault passing near the upper aspect of the tympanic membrane between the malleus and the incus. It then exits the middle ear through a canal leading to the pe- te- petro-tympanic fissure and exits the skull through the, this fissure, fissure to, join the inquinal, to join the lingual nerve in the infratemporal fossa. Transmission of sounds a sound wave enters the external acoustic mirrors and strikes the tympanic membrane, moving it medially. As the handle of the malleus is attached to this membrane, it also moves medially. This moves the head of the malleus laterally. Because the head of the malleus and incus articulates with each other, the head of the incus is also moved laterally. This pushes the long process of the incus medially. The long process articulates with the steps so its movement causes the steps to move medially. In turn, because the base of the steps is attached to the oval window, the oval window is also moved medially. The action, this action completes the transfer of a large amplitude, low force airborne wave that vibrates the tympanic membrane into a small amplitude, high force vibration of the oval window, which generates a wave in the fluid-filled scala vestibuli of the cochlea. The wave established in the perilymph of the scala vestibuli moves through the cochlea and causes an outward bulging of the secondary tympanic membrane covering the round window at the lower end of the scala tympani. This causes the basilar membrane to vibrate which in turn leads to stimulation of receptor cells in the spiral organ. The receptor cells send impulses back to the brain through the cochlear part of the vestibulocochlear nerve where they are interpreted as sound. If the sounds are too loud, Causing excessive movements of the tympanic membrane, contraction of the tensor tympani muscle attached to the malleus and or stapedius muscle attached to the piece dampens the vibration of the ossicles and decreases the force of vibration reaching the oval window. Thanks friends.